This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Um, I would say that I'd probably even prefer them to the Ewoks. Every you should prefer everything to the Ewoks. The Ewoks are shit. Like, and I say that as a massive Star Wars fan. But the Ewoks so, are a fucking travesty. Marchese video when I was about ten in Carshilton High Street. I uh, I got out the VHS of the uh, the Ewoks film. Um, absolutely shit. Absolutely so, shit. Even when you say thing. when you say the Ewoks film, not Return of the Jedi, the the, the actual a... spin off Ewoks film. <sighs> That I, I that passed me, but I know there was a, uh, an animated series yep. focusing primarily on wickets. You 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 don't seem enthralled by this at all, Cara. You big fan of Star? No, I'm not. I'm just also quite nervous about um, work because <laughs> hmm. we're 20 minutes in from. Ah, it's fine. Yeah. it's fine. One thing for sure that you know we always keep these short and sharp, and and nothing ever goes wrong. So um. Should we perhaps talk about the game? This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Alexa, play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest. CPFC podcast. From Amazon Music. Back of the Nest. Now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest match report. I'm Chris Hambling. With me today are Cara and Mike. And we have a very short amount of time to get a podcast done because we're recording this in our respective lunch breaks. Hello, Cara. Hello. How's it going? It's it's fine. You seem slightly annoyed that we spent 20 minutes uh, of the lunch break messing around uh, until we actually started properly recording. Yeah, although I, with a bit of self-reflection, it probably was mostly to do with the fact that you were talking about Star Wars, which I have no interest in. If yeah. it had been something I was interested in, I would have probably been leading the way on wasting time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Mike's sorry, I, I was I was being quick, I cut you off and now I feel bad. Um Mike, uh Star Wars is great, isn't it? Yes, and Porgs are great. Porgs. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about Porgs because you know how Chewie befriends them quite quickly, doesn't he, in the new films. Uh and I just feel that's out of character for Chewie. Um I feel he I mean he, he looked hungrily at one of them once and then it was all fine. He would have eaten seven or eight if he was true to character uh, before anything else happened, which is how troubling. Um, how could you eat, how one, could you eat one of these? And obviously, I'm assuming we're going to be using this clip for the socials. Um, yeah, fantastic. Anyway, um, fantastic win for Palace. 3-2 uh, in the end against Wolves. Um, I mean, look, good to get three points. Good to, to take advantage of a home game against one of the weaker teams. Um, but plenty to talk about in terms of how the result came about. Some really uh, good individual performances, some spells of football that were very encouraging. But, you know, also some similar themes to we've seen in the last few weeks. So uh, I think we've got lots to chat about there. But we'll uh, start with a with a bit of news for um, for the week first. 
First, those being that Palace women beat Birmingham City 2-1 thanks to a 90th-minute winner by Aria Dennis. Um, she signed on dual registration terms from Arsenal days ago, um, and that's her debut. Cara, I know you watched that game. and about you, Mike? No, I was in Cambridge for the weekend, got back for the uh, first team game. I see. Well, there's questions there. But Cara, thoughts? Yeah, I think we are... Starting to settle, maybe. I would say the game is potentially summed up by um, our keeper got the most touches of any player um, in the game. So that might tell us all we kind of need to know. Um, But the fact that that was the case and uh, Birmingham managed to only score one um, is good, is going to get us far. So that last minute winner, as you say, um, really good stuff. I think there's been some really good recruitment over the summer, um, already being one of them. And uh, just yesterday, I think the news came in that Lexi Potter, we've now got on loan from Chelsea. So we have obviously built up a good reputation amongst some of the big WSL clubs because we're getting quite a few big um, loans. They're trusting us with their kind of younger players to give them some experience. So um yeah, a win takes us third in the table. Let's kind of see how we how we go on from here. Definitely. Cool, Mike. And it was good to see Molly May Sharps hit her 50th appearance as well. Yes. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, the turnover in the, in personnel uh, at the women's game tends, I think 50 is probably a very good achievement and in terms of appearances. So um, impressed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, nice one. Thanks, thanks both. Um Mike, you wanted to talk a little bit about the under twenty ones game. Yeah, well, let's let's cover the age groups. Um, usually, we'd have the preview, but because of the international break, Patrick can't talk about them. He obviously sat, watched them, rewatched them, analysed everything that was said, and probably had an hour's worth of stats on them. But um, <laughs> the under twenty ones played uh, Friday evening before the uh, the men's team away at Wolves with an actually almost polar opposite result. So 3-2 to Wolves, they went ahead with uh, a gentleman called Hesketh. I presume um, that's not the uh, the Hesketh that used to uh, frequent the previous show here, I uh, have no, to ask him. Probably um, not. I mean, if it is, he'll probably leave Wolves and start his own football club. <laughs> uh, yes, possibly. Um, and so, again, Paris were 3-1 down. They, they, they got one in the, in the midst of injury time. Um, Ailu Adebomi scoring a, a consolation. So basically the polar opposite of the result for the first team. But what I really wanted to talk about was um, the under-18s beating Liverpool under-18s 6-1. Now, we knew they were good. And um, Jerry Terry Derry scored again. Um, but also the one that Liverpool scored, a uh, familiar name, um, Hambo, uh, Mr. Dan's. Hmm. Yeah, the son of Dan's. Um, we can only hope that both his footballing ability and musical talent uh, have reached those of his of his erstwhile father Neil Dans. But yeah, um, I have forgotten his first name. I'll be honest with you. But I, you know, I've been aware that at least one of his kids was at Liverpool for quite a while and um, and, and very well regarded. So interestingly, uh, interesting to watch that one. Um, we'll see if there's another another famous Dans. But yeah, Derry scoring again. I think he. Um, but that's obviously also Zach Marsh's second hat trick of the season, um, which uh, and yeah, he seems to to score them in quite rapid succession. Just two goals, well, two his last two goals in quick succession, three minutes apart. So um, yeah, playing really really well. Obviously the captain as well, 
Um, so he's 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 shaping up really nicely. I also saw in some of the highlights the keeper Billy Eastwood, um, who if anyone who watched the um, the program on the academy that was on Channel Four, I think fairly recently, will know what uh, what character he is. You know, overcoming a, um, a stutter to be a goalkeeper is. It's a hell of a thing to do. Um, you know, his his dad was a Palace fan and sadly passed away. It was just an amazing story um, watching him and his delight when he got given a contract for Palace and the fact that he's now starting for the 18s and performing so well. It just, it warms the heart. It really does. So um, I think everybody wants Billy to succeed. And yeah, just to say, nice to see him playing games all the time. And um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously highlights of... Um, I haven't seen the highlights for the um, for the twenty ones pop up yet, but there's the the game against uh, Liverpool. Um, certainly, the highlights are there on on the Palace site. If you want to watch them, it's well worth doing. Talented bunch of players, you know. I think worth recognising the the twenty ones struggling a little bit by by recent standards, um, but it's been quite a lot of again quite a lot of change, and you know some of the better players have been training and and playing with the first team squad. Um, for quite a while, considering how light we are in terms of numbers. So I think that's probably disrupted things a little bit as well. So um, yeah, let's move on from, from talking about Palace News and, and the Academy and start talking about the game itself. So Palace, obviously, as I say, running out 3-2 winners against Wolves. Um, so I, I started a count last time of um, how in how many consecutive games will name the same team obviously not including cup games into that because we made so many changes for the cup game uh, against Plymouth um, but it's now four in a row the only team to have named the same team four times in a row um, in the Premier League uh, so I think that that tells a story all of its own and we'll kind of have to pick the bones out of that to some degree because you know we finished a, a transfer window I think and you know I, I thought Probably the uh, the manager would be a little frustrated by it, but the message he he gives is is no, and he's he's happy with what he got. He was happy with who we brought in, and that it would whilst it would have been nice to bring in another player or two, um, he thinks keeping Elise and Eze at the club was the was the most important thing, which obviously was very important. So he's obviously happy to to name the same lineup again. Go on, Mike. Yeah. I uh sorry, I was on mute. Um mm. classic team's response. Um <laughs> would Elise get back in the team immediately? I mean, from what I, I can't see that he would change a winning side. Uh and IU was absolutely outstanding again. Would he rush back into the team? Yes. I mean Yes, he would. No, but would, only would Hodgson have him back in the team immediately? Only, yeah, but only because we haven't played well in the in any first halves of any of the games that we've played so far, right? So I, that starting lineup isn't isn't the lineup that's actually getting the job done in every game. It's been post subs, which is the like Roy. I don't know, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whichever one we're on now, um, which is brilliant to see that he's making those changes and that's getting us over the line. So I I, I don't think, yeah, I, I think you've skipped a step in the analysis to go from like same starting lineup to it's a winning lineup because it's not it's not them that have been getting the results. Mm. I think that's, that's a really interesting point and I've been thinking about it a lot. So I was going to address the fact that actually I thought IU was pretty poor first half. I mean, usual endeavour, usual, always making himself available, always putting the effort in, in you know, going up and, and tracking back as well. But I think, you know, passing massively let him down first half. But there's a lot of players who, who you could say let themselves down in the first half. 
Uh, and as Cara has quite rightly pointed out, there seems to be a fairly consistent thing. Excuse me, my cat is screaming at me, Wesley. Hey, what's the matter? I don't know if you can hear that, but he's gone absolutely crazy. That is. I don't know if there's actually anyone there. You think I'm making it up? Yeah. Mm, maybe. He's a problem. <laughs> anyway, um, Wesley, I, I love that. That's... Yeah, you've, yeah. I mean, cats are Wesley and Bruce, so you know, good names for for cats. Uh, I'd explain it, but I think it's better better to leave the mystery. Yeah, you're gonna, gonna take him away. Thanks. He's not interested. <laughs> There he goes. There he goes. Bye, Wesley. Bye, Wesley. Um, bye, Wes. <laughs> everybody else said bye as well. Thanks. So we've uh, we've uh, we've removed the cat from the premises, and now I can carry on with my point. So, Carl, you made a very good point that um, that the team that's been getting, you know, traction in the games that's been getting the results ultimately is after we've made the changes. You can obviously look at the Sheffield United game and, and say that was an aberration, but we 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 were pretty poor in that game against a very, very, very poor side. So I'm not really counting that one myself. Um, and, and since it has been the changes, but I was thinking, how do you, like, how can you view that like objectively? Is it, so let's take the Wolves game as an example. We, we were, I would say they were probably fractionally the more assured side in the first half, but we had the better chances. We were just unfortunately not good enough to take advantage of them. But I suppose if that team playing for 65, 70 minutes gives you the foundation to then go and win the match. Is that actually the plan? You know, is it, if we go, you know, if we start, if we take Schlupp out of the lineup, because he was the poorest performer and the one who was substituted, if you take him out of the lineup and put Mateta straight in from the start, do you get the same result in that game? Or, or is it all about playing, you know, playing the game as 90 minutes and thinking, okay, if we do what we do, and then we can change it. I, you know, that's the that's got to be the debate. So it's worth bringing up what Hodgson. I'll paraphrase, but what Hodgson said after the game, which is really interesting. Um, you know, rather than coming out and saying, "Oh, it was a great performance, great goals," and and they were, he said, "We did a lot of things right, but we did a lot of things wrong," and that is quite refreshing because he often, I think, defended the less than defendable. Um, in 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 his previous tenure, seventy four point zero rather than seventy six point zero, Roy Hudson. Um, <laughs> and, and so it, that that was great to hear, and I think he was probably alluding to to that. Um, it's what Chris Clark has pr- made me promise that I would bring up that about ten minutes before Schlupp got subbed, he said, "My opinion: Schlupp needs to come off, Mateta needs to come on," and then that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. And then we looked like a a million times better. Whether Mateta's shining head in the sun was the was the reason that it's just <laughs> blinding people, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, we will talk obviously about Mateta because yeah, he had a fantastic um, hat trick against Plymouth, and you can argue it's Plymouth. He should he should be doing that. Um, but but the finishes were great. The confidence is obviously high, and coming off the bench, that was that was really noticeable. That he came on with a real purpose about him, and yeah, talk about the goals in a bit um no, the first half though it, it was poor we did have a couple of things that were worth talking about though of course the first being um and Cara, i'll ask you your view on this the first being a very what i consider to be clear penalty shout for a challenge on on Eze in the box um you may disagree but uh, but i saw it from several the first angle from the replay i saw i was like oh no he hasn't touched him there he's kind of anticipating that and going down a bit easy subsequent four angles clear contact for me what did you think 
I didn't think so. I'm sorry. It's one of those ones where I'd have been over the moon if we got it. Um, but if it had been given against us, I'd have been absolutely raging. So I, I think it was it was probably fine, which is probably not what the answer that you or anybody listening to this wants. So maybe go to Mike. But <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too bothered about it. Um, Mike? <laughs> I... Obviously, it was hard to tell in the ground because... It was quite far away. Um, I probably slightly agree. I think the ref had a terrible game um, and he followed the crowd. You know, after they gave him dog's abuse, he booked a Wolves player on the back of uh, two heels clipping each other, Um, you know, down down the left wing. Uh, He had a very bad game, but that one, I mean, you got to assume that VAR had had a look. Um, And so it's hard to tell. That's the thing for me because VAR did have a look, right? Um, I, I, I just, I'm very, very uncomfortable with, um, with, with what it says if that's not a foul because I don't think, I think slow motion sometimes really does make things look worse than they are because I feel like the the problem is Eze's motion is he's, cha- he's in the process of changing direction when the challenge comes in and. Because of that, his whole body weight is moving in a different direction anyway. So I, I feel like that's that's the kind of source of the error. But it is an error because the foot does come out. It does tread on the front of Eze's foot. And, and it's a foul anywhere else on the pitch. Um, like I say, I understand what you're saying, Cara, and I understand you don't agree. But you know, for me, we're, we're seeing too much of that at the moment. You know, VAR called to make a, a, a sensible decision. But there is... In my view, no, no sensible decision being made there. But um, I, I guess, that, I guess, Hambo, just on on what you said, I think one of the frustrating things is the discrepancies between like what is given as a free kick and what is given as a penalty. And I think there is a clear like higher threshold, but it's not written in that way. So I think that's what sources quite a lot of this frustration. But I think for VAR to overturn, it would have had to have been a clear and obvious error, right? And I don't think that is a clear. En- I don't think it's like a a clear enough penalty that you would overturn that decision taken on the pitch yeah and I, I think that's fair um I I guess but I guess I have a problem with the whole clear and obvious error thing you know it's it either is or it isn't I, I you know and I, I understand that there has to be a threshold there has to be some kind of recognition but um I just don't I don't like see what other circumstance was happening there if it wasn't a foul other than then it must have been a clear dive and should be punished and VAR should be recommending that. And it just goes back to that age old thing. You've got people sitting in a room making the decision. We don't know what they're talking about. We don't know why they've made the decision we have. If you're at the ground, you know nothing other than they've looked at something and decided it isn't a thing. Um, if you're watching at home, you, the most you'll know is, um, you know, the you'll see the information that they have and it will just filter through that either it was not a clear and obvious error or it will filter through that um, they feel that the referee should go and have a look at it. And I think that's what a lot of people think. It's like, you can't, you know, logically the referee can't go and look at every single decision on the monitor by the pitch side. Otherwise the game would last six hours. But, you know, for, for things like penalties, it just feels like give him another look at it. And uh, anyway, I, I'll, I could moan forever. We won the game. Um, and it didn't ultimately end up costing us. But um, I was a little uncomfortable with it. I use Miss. Um, 
I'm even more uncomfortable with. It's you can say it's good defending by Kilman because he comes absolutely steaming back. Um and and you know, I hasn't done a tremendous amount wrong with the finish. Um, other than <laughs> managing to sort of telegraph where he's gonna put it. But it's it's an open goal ultimately. Um and, and didn't cost us. But I think, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna when get to when we got to half time. Like that's what I'm, that's the whole thing. My whole mind is stuck there. It's half time. We're at nil nil. We've had our chances in the game to to, to win it, um, and now we're going to suffer the the consequences because it's Premier League, and you get punished if you miss your chances. Luckily, I was wrong. Um, anything else from the first half, you two? <laughs> I think you uh, you alluded to how sloppy the passing was, um, and we seem to. Considering how much space they gave Palace in the second half, um, I don't think we took advantage of, of their clear frailties with um, with defending. I don't know. People were saying it was a hot day. That was why some of it was at walking pace. I don't really buy that. Um, I just don't think that we in any way took advantage of the enormous gaps that Wolves leave teams. Um and I don't quite know what changed in the second half, really, because we lit better before the substitutes. Um, other than it goes back to the stat that you'd reeled off last week, that 260 out of the 380 uh, games we've had, <laughs> we don't score in the first half. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. What was Which, it, what um... said after? He said something weird in his post-match um, press conference about, like, it. See, he got a bit lost while he was doing it, but it's something like, we, it, we seem to need a noose around our necks to be able to work out how we get the noose off from around our necks or something like that. <laughs> don't know if he quite made the point he wanted to, but I, I think we get the point, right? Like, it is like we need our backs up against the wall before. I think, in fact, I said it in the WhatsApp, didn't I? Like, our game plan is, like, let's wait until the other team score and then all of a sudden we we work out how we play our best football. So that's definitely something that needs to, to get worked out. But all the time that you are scoring enough then in the second half to get the points... Let's let's enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. You can't complain when you know. I didn't enjoy a large proportion of the game. I really didn't, and I and I know there are other members of the back of the nest uh, gang who were feeling similar to the point where you're like, oh, I just I almost don't want to watch this. Like I'm, I've, there's been very few times where I've not wanted to watch Palace when Palace are playing, um, and like, at times, especially first half, I kind of thought. Oh, this is this is just hard. There's there's other things that I could be doing with my life right now, um, and I'm just not enjoying this. But so I was really really happy when it changed, and you're quite right, Mike. It did start to change in the second half. But you know, for Roy to come out and say what he said, I suppose it just adds more concerns than anything because you know all the while I can kind of tell myself it's a deliberate ploy. And we're we're trying to slow the game down in the first forty-five minutes, conserve energy, and you know it's a it's a tactical and organisational choice for us to kind of play within ourselves. I'm okay, but when the manager comes out and says, "Actually, no, it's not it's not deliberate. I'm, we're trying to play well from the very start," and I'm like, "Well, four out of four games this season, you've tried and failed to play well from the very start um, in the league. So, yeah, clearly there are issues." Um, I definitely yeah. I see what you're saying, but I would say I do prefer it this way round, and the reason being <laughs> because this way round we have got a manager who is willing to make the subs. Now, see, mm-hmm. see if he was saying 
that saying what he's saying now, but wasn't changing anything and was just going through the second half and maybe changing it at like 80th, 90th minute, I'd be really pissed off. But like there does seem to be, and I don't know if it is like Paddy McCarthy's influence or like however they're trying to work in the background. Um, Because after, I can't remember which game it was, but uh, Paddy McCarthy was interviewed afterwards and said like they were all making the case for switching back to the 4-4-2. Um, and when they did everything was improved. So I think there's a lot more conversations going on and that makes me feel actually a lot better about this season than I did coming into it because we've got a manager who's taking on that information and is making those changes. Um, and he's, yeah, he's kind of validating what we're seeing. I feel like before he was quite gaslighty in his approach, like Mike said, of being like, no, 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 everything's fine. Yeah, that's how we meant to do it. Don't even worry about it. Like we were just unlucky. Everything's going to be great. Uh, I'd, be yeah. worried. I'd be way more worried then. You're right. It's a, it was a, it is a pleasing change um, from from what we saw before. And you know, whilst I still look at it and I still look at the changes that we make, and it's clear that there's a smaller core of players that he trusts than the squad um, is. You know, so there are, there are players who who are on the bench just because we have to name people on the bench. They're not getting on. You know, that's that's just that's just how it is. Um, and that goes back to perhaps a debate we can we can fit it in a little while. Um, as to to our views on the, the transfer window, but you look at the bench and it was not obviously Hughes got on, come back from injury, um, to got on right at the last, which was was nice to see him back on the on the pitch. Uh, but you know, no no game time for for Klein, Tompkins, uh, Richards, Hamada, Rudeveld, Rakzaki, or Henderson in this one. Um, but yeah, but Mateta clearly has worked his way into Roy's thinking. Um, you know. There was a lot of talk of him leaving. Obviously, a lot of talk of Palace looking for another striker. Didn't find that other striker in the end. Um, or at least didn't didn't convince them to join us in the end. So I think, um, you know, Mateta, his, his kind of resurgence has come at a very, very good time. And the, you know, a hat-trick for a, for a striker obviously does get that confidence up. And it was really, you know... An incredible impact for him, but let's start with the the first goal itself because there was some chat on. I think it was the preview podcast or one of one of the YouTube uh, broadcasts where I think Patrick was talking about the fact that Mitchell really had to improve his crossing. Tyreek clearly has been been watching slash listening um, because it was an absolute beauty. The pass out to him was was excellent from the centre of the pitch. Um, but he'd already taken up a really good position and was prepared to get forward on the overlap, which not something we see on the other side of the pitch. That kind of asymmetrical thing I've been I've been talking about. I was talking about on the transfer deadline YouTube show. We have a kind of asymmetry with our fullbacks, and it does work in our favour as well as against us sometimes. And but Mitchell, you know, really just the perfect cross. And Mike, we've seen Edward do that already this season. That movement. Proper strikers movement in and around the six yard box, getting in between defenders. And it's a you know, it's a fraction of a second of movement and speed of thought better than the defenders around him that gets us a goal, but really pleasing to see, right? It is very pleasing to see. It was an exquisite cross, um, and absolute striker's instinct. Um I think the keeper was quite angry with Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
himself afterwards he was kind of walking around shaking his head and that kind of thing I don't think he liked getting beaten on the near post but quite honestly I don't think there was a great deal he could do um the movement to lose his defender at that point is not something you can teach and that's the kind of thing he did week in week out for Celtic um so you know that is the reason that he starts the games um Mateta is very much an impact player the moment he came on before he even touched, I think he, he came on and we had a corner. He was already clapping the homestale, getting him rolled up. Um, but for that kind of instinct, that's what Edward has. Um, and I think it's probably worth a few people re, re, reasserting their opinions on Edward because um, there's a lot of things that he won't help with, but there's a hell of a lot of things that he will help with. And he was chasing a lot of dead balls as well, um, which is something, you know, people have said certainly last season he wasn't doing. So somebody's given him a rocket and it's worked. Well, I mean, yeah, he certainly had, he had to get better, right? That's, there's no two ways about that. It's not like Edward was always playing well and no one saw it. And then now he's just doing exactly the same thing and it's all fine. But like the, the truth is he, he's had to get better. I mean, Roy said that, he was asked about Edward. He said he was very good. I worked with him for 10 matches last season and we saw glimpses of what we thought he could do. He did a very, did a very good job for us, but I always thought there was more to come from him because he's such a talented player. He's not only good at holding the ball up, he's very skillful, very technical, and he can score goals. Um, Cara, I'm going to throw that over to you. Yeah, and I would be one of those people that Mike was probably directing the uh, reassessing views on uh, Edouard too, because I haven't been his biggest fan. But the reason I haven't been his biggest fan is that is more out of frustration because he has done it elsewhere and he just wasn't doing it from the point that he came to us. And so I got to the point where my opinion on him was, is he just one of those players that actually just can't make that transition into the Premier League? Where like he's clearly got those aspects of his game, um, but he just can't can't bring it in this league. That stupid Porg thing. Why? Why is it there? Anyway, like uh, I'll tell you why, because I wanted this bit to be clipped as a as a as a little short, the Edward part, and I was like, well, I've got to get the Porg on the video. So that's fair enough. Is, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but no, but but clearly something has happened, and I'm absolutely like delighted that it has happened. Um, that whatever was missing for him, um, that was stopping him from making that step up and being able to do this is now there and like hopefully that's it it's there to stay whatever the issue was is is fixed and you know rather than it being like kind of Edward versus Mateta even though there is that rivalry there because they're both strikers what we saw um yesterday was that they can work really well together and Mm. that has only got to be a good thing both for Edward to carry on um uh with this kind of run of confidence and um letting that instinct come out, but also for Mateta as well, like assisting with his back and all sorts of absolute chaos. Um, so, yeah, I'm very happy to to um, be wrong uh, about the fact that he couldn't do it in the Premier League because um, he can and he is and long may it continue. I mean, look, being, talking about being happy to be wrong, I think, you know, looking at Edward's improvement in performance, you know, and looking at the back end of last season where we saw... You know, Elise and Eze do fantastically well. And, you know, that, you know, Eze's carried that on. He was very good in this game, um, you know, scored a very good goal, which we'll talk about in a sec. So you have to look at, at Roy and, and Ray. Like, I, I feared, one of the things I feared the most about Roy Hodgson coming back as manager was what he would do to our attacking players. And that doesn't come out of nowhere because we were all there, weren't we? You know, we all experienced 
the gradual decline in some of the the attacking talent we did have when they were asked to perform very functional roles in the team. Um, but we haven't seen that this time round. And you know, I have to give credit. I have to say that that fear that I had, that assumption that I made that that, that players would struggle and we would be very functional and very defensive, which you know we still are at times. But we seem to have this ability now. That the, the manager and the coaching staff seem to have this ability to bring the best out of some of the attacking talent. I still think a lot of that is just how effective Lerma and Dekure are. You know, we we had less than you know, who scored. Reckon we got um, we had forty two percent possession. The amount we did of it compared with their fifty eight is insane, and that was that's mainly due to just how great a screening job they do, so that people can go forward. Um, and they're covering <clears throat> the kind of areas that I think the attacking players were having to do in the past. Yeah. Um, look, with you know the goal was very positive. It, 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 it was deserved at the time. We had been playing much much better. We'd look sort of more dangerous, more organised, more energetic. Um, I've got to say the goal we can, with both goals we conceded, frankly, were, were appalling. You know, the, the, the very late one, you can kind of, I won't even reference it after this. You can almost kind of let it go because it's so late in the game. It's a clear lapse of concentration. The game is won um, and we should have done better for it, but we didn't. And those things happen sometimes, right? The, the equaliser though, we when we still have this we we and we have for a long time the zonal marking thing it it really does mess us up so much it's a good delivery i'll give you that like neto puts in a really good delivery for for the equalizer but it's not particularly clever movement it's you know i i think it's just two players running towards the front post Mark Gay not reacting particularly quickly and, and Jeffrey Schlupp sort of walking away thinking somebody else is going with it. And in the end, it's, you know, wham with a completely free header and all of a sudden all the good work is undone and you kind of fear what's going to happen next. So we have to get better at that. You know, better teams than Wolves. And I'll be really, really honest. I'm not trying to be negative, but there are a lot better teams than Wolves in this league. They are not good. They really aren't. They've lost a lot of their best players. They've got a, um, you know, a new management team that, frankly, has been brought in to do something on a budget. And I just feel like, you know, I almost count this similar to the Sheffield United game in the fact that if you don't win your home game against Wolves, you have to look at where you're going to pick those points up. So we're in a really strong position with seven points out of four games, two wins. But the two wins we've got are, are, are games that we really should have won and, and fortunately did. So look, I'm... I'm frustrated about the, the the goal and I was frustrated about where the game was going. But Mateta made such a difference. And <laughs> you've already spoiled it, Cara, because you said you've already mentioned the fact he assisted with his back. But he assisted with his back. Like <laughs> what? He did. Well, but also, sorry to skip ahead, but he also then it was a back heel yeah. assist to the third goal, right? So maybe this is what's been going wrong. Maybe he just has been playing the wrong way around. <laughs> If he just plays backwards, all of a sudden, two assists. Mm. I don't think any of the hat trick ones are backwards, so we'll like knock that one out. But that's my theory. Playing backwards, everyone's a winner. <laughs> He's been facing the wrong way the whole time. That's what's that's fascinating. Look, the 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 presence of mind to do it, and it's and it's deliberate. Like you can't ignore. It's not like he's misjudged the, he- mis- the header, which is kind of what I assumed at first. 
because it's just it's very very deliberate as is the the back heel very very deliberate um but it's not just the the two assists it's the the chaos that he caused as people keep saying it's but when you see him do this because he's not like this the first time when you see him do this stuff you wonder where it is half the time and is it purely you know michael ask you this question is mateta just best as a as a player to come off the bench and cause chaos, is there a case for starting him alongside Edward? I think that Roy does have him marked down as an impact sub. And, you know, throughout history, there have been very successful ones. Um, I think that's probably the way he does things best. He comes on with his gangly legs and outruns everyone. You know, um, there have been a few times I think Schlupp was beaten for pace, chasing a ball by yards. You know, and as soon as he came on, um, he was causing them all sorts, but would he be able to do that for 90 minutes? Probably not. Um, you, you know, it's it's great that he comes on at a random point rather than the standard 75 minutes. Um, he came on earlier than I probably expected, but um, you couldn't keep that up for the entire game. You know, that, that bit where he kind of pirouetted about around about five players and started getting Olay chance. Um you know, a bit, a bit like a Bruce Lee film where the, the, the baddies have lined up one by one and he's just knocking them out. It's exactly, you know, I don't <laughs> think you could do that if you had, had 70 minutes of time in your legs already. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that's going to be the hard balance, isn't it? And again, going back to the kind of the favourite topic, and I, I, feel, I actually got to this point now where I feel bad because I have been uh, somewhat negative about Jeffrey Schlipp for a while now. And now everybody else is jumping on the bandwagon. I feel bad for him. Um, so, like, um, and, and I just think, you know, he's had a difficult start to this season. But I do think he's got still got a really important part to play. And I'm not expecting him to come out of the team anytime soon either. Um, so I just do think it's worth me- worth that kind of thought process here that, you know, just because subbing him off and putting Mateta on led to us beating Wolves, it doesn't mean that we, sh- we got to abandon the system, we got to abandon the tactics and start two strikers every game, go 4-4-2 or some combination of you know 4-3-3 with people rotating positions, however we want to do it, because it, it varies at times. But like, there's not a solution to every game. What it is, is is encouraging that we are we are experimenting with these options to win games. You know, The frustration of we're going to play the same way every game I know we're going to start the same way every game, but now I know we're not going to just keep that going. And because it felt like that before, didn't it? It was like, we're going to play the game this way. And if the result goes against us, we'll continue playing this way until the result has concluded. And then that's the result. And that was it. And you just think, yeah, you could probably change something to maybe alter that result. And now we're in a place where I feel like we're doing that. I just wonder what the impact would be of a couple of injuries or suspension here and there. That's my big concern. Um, before we come on to go on. Sorry, Hambo. So I just jump in there because I think it's a, a bit of an important point. I think there is some hope to be taken that actually if we carry on with this kind of mentality, then we can deal with injuries much better than we have done previously. Because previously it's that stick with the same 11, like you say, and regardless of what happens, you're just sticking with them. So when one of them goes all of a sudden you're you're introducing some change into the team that hasn't been there before. Whereas if you're if the players and the system is used to kind of moving around based on what we're trying to do, actually if you've got one player out, it doesn't matter as much because you're just carrying on the same kind of change that they're used to. Um 
not at the beginning of games, obviously, but like uh, throughout games. So I think it does put everybody in pretty good stead and also like does inject a bit of competition into the squad, which previously there wouldn't have been because it was like, well, there's there's just no chance that anyone's getting kind of subbed on. Um, so I'm, I feel quite positive about it, to be honest, for how we're going to get through the rest of the season, just seeing that kind of um, ability to and willingness to adapt mid-game. I think that's fair. Um but yeah, I guess I, I guess I struggle to be as hundred percent confident with that as as you do. I, I feel like, you know. But look, you know, that it's it's everything's a fresh start for the season, and and the, the signs are good. Um, that we are at least going to try to change things when we can. Um, so before we move off from the Wolves game and have a quick chat um, about the transfer window and end this because we've all got to get back to work, Mike, you've got your hand up already before I finish that thought yeah just before we get off um i don't know how we've managed to not mention as a hardly at all but just to yeah say, i mean it's it's nothing new but my god he was incredible yes um that obviously the story that came out that there was a late 60 million pound bid from man city on him doesn't make me feel particularly good um but obviously we apparently sort of stood firm and said we want 80 and i suppose that's the um that that's that's the transfer market at the moment um but yeah you're obviously not going to really succeed on a last minute deadline day bid for for our key player i got worried because before the game roy was talking and saying you know basically that Eze is our wilf now we had wilf as our, to- our our player who makes the difference now it's Eze, and then you know so it's you know not much has changed the opposition will just try and mark him out of the game instead and we'll play everything through him but we we do it just happens to be that he's good enough playing where he is right now in the team that we have he's good enough to to cope with that and it and we will we'll hurt teams if they continue just to focus on him when we have people like uh, Elise back in the side exactly. um, and hopefully hopefully the promise of Teus Franca as well if he does come in and make an impact when he's fit you know and all of a sudden there's there's the, that kind of trio and if Edouard carries on the way he's carrying all of a sudden it's four and if Mateta can come in in competition and come off the bench then it's five attacking players that that teams will fear and not be able to cope with and that's the kind of that's the dream scenario for Palace going forward and has to be the plan but we know how it works you know having everybody fit and everybody in form all at once it's going to be fewer games when that happens than, than there are but as they was sensational in the game he really was like, like everybody first half was was patchy set piece deliveries you know essentially crossing directly to the goalkeeper continuously was frustrating to watch but that happens sometimes especially if you're being told to hit specific areas with a very you know specific plan um you know they keep doing a good job of claiming a lot of what we put in there but yeah, it's a fair point, Mike. We could mention a few others as well. You know, Gay and Anderson was superb. You know, we've got to mention Joel Ward as well because, you know, again, one I still think, you know, was targeted by Wolves at times. And there were a couple of occasions where their passing was poor enough that we, we got away with him being kind of caught a little bit out of position and being a bit narrow. But that was his 273rd Premier League start for Palace, uh, which is the joint most for any player alongside Wilfred Zaha. So he equaled Zaha's Premier League starts for Palace. And you will be betting that he surpasses that against Aston Villa. Um, and you've just jinxed it. The Saudis yeah. might come in. Their window's still open. Is what? What? <laughs> I said the Saudis might still come in. Oh, that's Based true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their window's still yeah. open. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah, let's not think about that um, at all. In any way. I, I'm not I'm not sure he's going to be totally top of their list. Um, no? No, but, you know, if you can't get Salah, who do you go for next? Joe Wood, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're right, yeah. I said it instinctively without thinking, but you're right. That is what you do. That is, yeah. No, he had a really good game, in all honesty. I thought he did very well. Um, but it suited, it, you know, and sometimes it does suit us for him to be able to sort of tuck in along, alongside the centre-backs. Um and obviously, yeah, we end up sometimes having a, a back three with, with Mitchell playing further forward at times when he does that. And I think that that works well for us in certain games, and it did in this one. Another couple of facts from the BBC, because that's where I stole that one from. Um, Palace have won five of their last six Premier League games against Wolves. Uh, whilst Wolves are the first team that they've won four in a row against in the top flight since Wimbledon between 1989 and 1992. So um, there you go. Uh, we needed to beat wow. Wolves. We should beat Wolves. That's just facts now. Uh, yeah. Jean-Philippe Mateta assisted two goals from the bench today. He's only the second Crystal Palace player to provide two assists as a substitute in a Premier League match. After which player against Derby in April 1998? Just see Mike switching to the BBC match report to find this. Uh, 1998. With David Hopkin, it's not David Hopkin. Car, any ideas? Not a clue. Sorry, it was Attilio Lombardo, of course. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> there you go. So, um, good, good facts. Last thing, and a very frustrating and ridiculous thing to have to talk about in 2023 is that a Crystal Palace fan was arrested um, during the match for the racist abuse of a Wolves player. Now, that's um. That's a man in his 60s supporting Crystal Palace, uh, a team predominantly made up of, of non-white British um, players who racially abused an opposing player. He, he was in, sitting in the main stand. He was removed from the stadium and arrested. So the club said they're incredibly disappointed and offer their sincere apologies and support to the Wolves player involved. Um, and they will also support the police investigation and conduct their own, saying that they have a zero tolerance for any form of discrimination or racist abuse. It has no place in football nor society. Um, unless you're Wolves, a Millwall fan. Unless you're a Millwall fan, it seems, yeah. yeah. But uh, Wolves similarly condemning it and um, and happy with Palace's response to it. But look, obviously you appreciate, guys. It's a really obvious thing to say, but no place for it. And, you know, uh, uh, Cara, your views, Mike, I'll let you go after. Yeah, just say, I mean, this is, um, unfortunate, doesn't quite sum it up, but unfortunately the second time, because there was one last season, wasn't there, when we were away at Spurs uh, of racial abuse of Son. Um, and, you know, there are, I think, a large group of us that pride ourselves of part of being a Palace fan is being anti-racist. But I think part of that, part of being able to say that is that we look for it and call call out the people that don't sign up to that within our own mm-hmm. um, kind of ranks. So I think the response from the club is obviously just textbook perfect. Um, but would just encourage everyone that if, you know, if you hear or know of people that have these views, um, regardless of whether they're willing to say them out loud or not, you know, challenge it before it gets to a point where, the person that they're abusing has to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'll right. just add, if this particular person listens to this podcast, 
please don't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, please don't. And if you're offended for us, so and people have written in before and saying we shouldn't take political stances for things like this. And almost always those are people who are writing in from, I'll be honest, the right side of the political spectrum. You know, I'm, and I'm just stating facts as they are. I make no judgment either way. I've got my own personal views and I don't share them on a podcast what my political views are. But what my views are on tolerance and behaviour in society and just being a human being, they're pretty obvious for everybody, right? You know, treat other people with respect uh, and don't hold prejudice based on ridiculous things. Like if someone's a dickhead and you want to hate them, then fine. But if someone is of a different race, nationality, sexual orientation, gender, however, whatever that identifier is that you think, I don't like this person because of that, it's you that's in the wrong. So, you know, grow up. Anyway, uh, so moving on from that, um, and, and you know, pleasingly that that's being dealt with by the club, and the more that gets um, dealt with, the better. Kari, you're quite right. We have a responsibility to call those things out, but we also have a responsibility to call out inaction in the transfer window, don't we? It's <laughs> a good, well, a good well. segue. Is that all right? <laughs> no, okay, that wasn't. That, was, that feels like I might have to apologise at some point. Anyway, right. But no, we'll go. We'll go with we'll, it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you know what I think, where I think Steve Parrish in particular gets quite lucky, uh, well, and some of it will be he's making his own luck, um, is that he tends to be able to kind of gloss over stuff like another rubbish transfer window with like a relatively good win against Wolves. And then everyone's like, oh, transfer window, that was ages ago. I've like completely forgotten. But we've got all the players that we need. We've got two great strikers. So we don't need another one. Jesus, where would they go? <laughs> So <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, we've got another goalkeeper call. Um, um, I, yeah, let's see. Let, let's see what happens. It, I don't know where I would, if we'd have bought more people on and we still hadn't sold anyone, I would have been like, this is getting ridiculous. We're a bit like a kind of rescue home for players. Um <sighs> But, I mean, we didn't. Uh, interestingly, actually, uh, Roy in his post-match press conference again, talking about Mateta, saying that he did want to leave. Um, he did want to kind of, I think he said, try his chances elsewhere, but they persuaded him to stay. Now, which way round this goes, you don't know. So were they, like, trying to go in free Nacho while those discussions with whether or not Mateta was going to stay were going on? Or were they hoping to get rid of Mateta to bring in Nacho? That didn't happen. And so now they're all like, we persuade him to stay, everything's fine. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, listen, if we carry on the way that we did in the Wolves game going forward, then everyone will forget about this transfer window very quickly and we'll soon be in the January one and be able to yeah. moan about that. Um, and that's kind of my feelings on it, to be honest. Okay. Um, so, I mean, clearly we um, we were after a forward. And, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Both forwards scoring in the game after the transfer window closed with us failing in our, our bid to get a striker in. It is hilarious in a lot of ways. It does seem like somewhere somebody has, you know, sold their soul to the devil kind of thing. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make it any less frustrating whether or not it's about the long term thing. And obviously we tried to get the palindrome lovers, Ekitike. I think that's how you pronounce his name from uh, from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, we tried to get him in seemingly on loan. Apparently we upset them because we negotiated with the player whilst they were trying to use him in a make-weight for another deal uh, with Frankfurt in Germany. So, like, there was a whole bunch of things going on there, and it was on, and then it was off, and then it was on, and then it was off. And ultimately, we failed in that deal. 
failed to get somebody in and there was a lot of people understandably frustrated by that and but you're quite right it has seemingly been forgotten and obviously Guaita left the club and went to sell to Vigo without any mention which shows you just how bad things had got there with him and, and the club itself um but bringing in Henderson to compete with with Johnston is a is an interesting choice it's a lot of money we've spent but he is 26 27 soon I think so good age for a keeper um Obviously, got four or five years on, on Johnson, so that'll be an interesting battle. Um, he seems to be aware he needs to fight his two two number one goalkeepers competing. It's it's not necessarily a bad thing, despite Roy Keane and Micah Richards nearly having a fight over it um, on the Sky Sports coverage. It doesn't seem like a bad thing for me. You know, the the signing of Rob Holding is interesting. Good good money. You know, four million quid now is not a lot of money for. A Premier League footballer, 27, you know, decent Premier League experience. But it didn't seem to address any of what we perceive as the issues are in the club. And I suppose that's why I consider it to be a poor transfer window. Mike? Somebody put in the chat on WhatsApp that uh, Connor Wickham and Balassi are both free agents. So don't worry. worry. Brilliant. All right. we better end it there, seeing as I've got four minutes till my next uh, work meeting. And um, I think it's one that I scheduled in, so I probably can't avoid it. So, um, uh, yeah, thank you, obviously, to Cara and to Mike for joining me. Uh, thank you for you uh, listening to the show. Um, obviously, didn't read up any out any listener stuff today because we just simply haven't had time. I'm just sorry. If I sounded distracted, it's because um, if you're listening to the audio only of this, Mike has been waving this, I nearly swore, this star wars based toy around continuously throughout the course of this show and it's very distracting and i now don't know whether i hate him or the toy more um anyway so that's uh, something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season preview team will of course be back um not this week but but next uh, due to the international break to look ahead to our trip to villa um, and also make sure you check out everything on our youtube channel uh, usual previews player ratings match reaction I'm sure DR will be filling plenty of time. Oh my God, there's an upside down dog on Kara's screen now. Uh, We've got to go away and, and talk about this. So until next time, thanks again and come on you Palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.